0: Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message.
1: So welcome to 12 Stone, both here at 12 Stone Live at Hamilton Mill, at 12 Stone Home, 12 Stone Online, 12 Stone Wherever you're at, 12 stone in your bathroom, wherever you're at, we're so glad that you're with us. Uh, there probably is somebody. We're so glad that you're with us uh, today as we're in the middle of this Ephesians series. And you, if you've been here the last couple weeks, you know we're walking through the entirety of the book of Ephesians, sort of verse by verse between now and January, February of this year. And today we wrap chapter 1. and We're going to be inside of uh, verses 15 to 23 And uh, just as a reminder, the book of Ephesians was a letter from Paul to the church at the city of Ephesus. And what was happening in the city of Ephesus, if you remember, uh, the city of Ephesus was a massive, massive city that was sort of the the hub of politics and of economics. And this is like sort of like a New York City of its time. And when the church of Ephesus showed up, the power of God was on display. Something of of a revival started to take place in this city. We might teach this later on, but in Acts it actually talks about the idol makers in town. The people who are making these little trinkets to their their fake gods were getting so mad because they lost so much business because the church of Ephesus showed up and so did the power of God and people started to realize these idols don't mean anything. It's a revival taking place. Idol shops are shutting down. This is the size of what God is doing in the city of Ephesus. And today's passage, verses 15 to 23, uh, the Apostle Paul writes out a prayer. This is a really unique section in the book of Ephesus. This is Paul's prayer to the church at Ephesus. Let's, let's look at this together. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Here's what he's saying. Ephesus, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of how you love God and and love people, and I, I can't stop praying for you. I'm just so proud of you, and I think God has more for you, and so Paul begins to pray specifically for the church of Ephesus. Here's how the passage continues. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul's praying three things for the church. saying, listen, I I want your eyes to be open to three things, the hope to which he has called you. Sounds a lot like Can't Stop Hope, doesn't it? We've already got the t-shirts. The first day that no one's wearing a Can't Stop Hope t-shirt back here. The first thing, I want you to see the hope. We taught that. Sorry, I could have sent y'all a note. <laughs> Secondly, I want you to, your eyes to be open to the glorious inheritance. We talked about that on family day, the fact that we're adopted into his family, and therefore we get the inheritance of sons and daughters. We taught that. We have this incomparably great power. That's where we're gonna camp. See, I think, I think Paul's prayer... I want God to open the eyes of your heart to his great power is a, is a prayer that he would offer to us here and now today. And it's interesting because he's saying, I, I want your eyes to be open. And, and in the first section of Ephesians 1, Paul makes it clear he knows who he's talking to. The church at Ephesus is, is full of believers. Their eyes are already open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've already surrendered their lives to Jesus. So why do their eyes need to be open? Because listen. Maybe your eyes need to see things they're not currently seeing yet. Listen, you you may have the hope of Jesus, and your eyes may have been opened to the gospel, but maybe what Paul's praying is that there's things your eyes don't see yet that they need to see. And I love this because he doesn't pray that they would receive the power of God. He, He prays that they would actually see that they already have it. He's not praying, man, you need to get something more from it. No, you already have it, you just can't see it. And maybe that's what God's inviting us to today. Let Let me paint it this way. It's a true story from 1991. Were you born yet? No, she's not even born yet. God help me, I feel old. So this happened in ancient times, Megan. In 1991, there's a lady, and her name was Terry Horton. And she went into a San Bernardino thrift shop. And she saw this like five foot by four foot painting with like a bunch of paint splatters all over it. And she thought it was so ugly that she was going to buy it for $5. So she bought it, brought it home, took it to her trailer home, and it wouldn't fit on the wall. So she's like, man, it was sort of a gag gift. That'd be funny, but it doesn't even fit. So she takes it to a yard sale out front of her house and sets it out there for sale. Luckily for her, an art teacher, local art teacher, came by and said, have you ever heard of Jackson Pollock? And she, I can't tell you exactly what she said because there's bad words. But she said, "I don't know who Jackson Pollock is," and she said, "You might want to look into that." Any guess at how much she listed that painting for? Fifty million dollars. Listen, she had the painting and couldn't see it. She thought it was a five dollar gag gift when, in fact, it was a fifty million dollar treasure. See, I think what Paul's saying is, listen, you already have it, you just can't see it yet. I'm praying that your eyes would be open, that you would see it, and not, and not just like know it in your brain, but you would experience, you would take hold of the power God has for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that we would experience it. See, you might not be blind, but your vision may be blurry to the power of God. See, I wear, I wear glasses. Maybe you've noticed. (laughs) I can see, like, there's people here. There's a camera here. You folks behind me, I I can see, but can I really see without my glasses? See, could I drive home 50-50? Like, I wouldn't do it. Like, it'd be put a lot of people, I would try it on a bet if there were like a police escort, but it wouldn't be smart. I, I can see, but can I really see without my glasses on? See, I remember the first day when I was a kid when I got glasses. Like I went, I think it was like fourth or fifth grade. Finally, they realized the kid can't see the chalkboard in in class. I remember the first time I put them on, I was like, this is what the playground looks like. This is awesome. Oh, that's what my room looks like. My brother's way uglier than I thought he was. Wow, I see. So I, it, it was like a Eureka moment. I put glasses on. And I, I could see the world at 2020. And this the rest the, the whole first part of my life I saw the world blurry. And I think that's what Paul's praying for Ephesus. I think that's what Paul's praying for you. That that, that God might give you spiritual glasses to see the things that are blurry about the power of God. That maybe He would He would put these you would put these glasses on. And that God would help you see. In fact, I want to give you a little experience of what it's like. To wear glasses? How many of y'all wear glasses, corrective lenses? I'm curious. Y'all know what it's like. The rest of you were jealous. It's nice. Can't imagine that. Then I have to wear glasses, but I do. I want to give you a little picture, man. I want y'all to help me with this. I want you to try to guess what these images are. Before we do, I had no hand in picking these. I'm not exact. Do we know who actually? I don't. We don't know who picked these. So a bunch of grace. I'm assuming based on how we do things here. So let's throw the first picture up. All right. Can you guys? In the band, it looks a ballerina maybe, maybe some sort of a dancer. All right, that's, that's what it looks like without glasses. Let's see it clearly. Wow. I'm looking, next, give me the next blurry one. I'm looking for who, that is way better blurry. I fully agree. All right, next one. Uh, looks like two people, maybe a cup. Oh, wow. Kevin does not look happy for some reason. I don't know. What's, what's going on, all right? That's, that's old school Kevin. I right, see the third picture. Blurry first. All right, we know what that is. That's obviously Falcons. Someone choking. Wow. Wow, Lee. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world. We don't need that kind of negativity. All right, I think it's the Falcons logo. Let's see. Wow. I don't know who... Did you pick these as a Louisiana boy? That's terrible, all right, last picture. Oh no, uh, that's, a, that's a shirtless man, I think. Uh, do I wanna see this unblurry? I don't. Let's see what it looks like unblurry. Wow, <laughs> take it off, I don't want that, take that off. I think I know who picked the pictures at this point. Um, it, was, it was obviously Travis uh, who picked those. And so Father, would you erase that from our memory, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you see maybe maybe paul is saying the way you see the power god has for you is really blurry maybe maybe his prayer is god would you open our eyes to see more eclipse? like paul's going listen i want you to have 2020 on the power that god has for you in fact, he goes on in the passage to unpack this. and this is him going like, "I need you to get a taste of the size of the power we're talking about here. Here's what he goes on to say. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he, God, exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's the power Paul's talking about. He's not talking about this weak sauce thing. He's talking about believers. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have access to the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That's earth shattering. See, when when you put the glasses of faith on and, 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 and your eyes begin to be open, you start to see the reality of the power that we have access to. This is not... This is not some small-time, rinky-dink deal. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead, seated him at the right hand of the Father. And Paul is saying, I pray, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open to this. See, it's, it's possible for your eyes to be opened to salvation through Jesus and be blurry to the power God has for you. That's a sobering thought. We can live our entire existence and miss the power God has for us. So I want to unpack this with us today, because this is too big of a deal for us to breeze through and to miss this. Because Paul, Paul's prayer from 2,000 years ago is the same prayer I pray for myself, I pray for us today. So how, how is the power of God designed to work? Two ways. How is the power of God designed to work? In us and then through us. The power of God's designed to work in us and then through us. See, Paul Paul understood this because his story was so unique. If you know Paul's journey, his name wasn't always Paul. It was originally Saul. See, and what what Saul's life was, was he was born into a Jewish family. He was taught in the Torah. He was a staunch Jewish dude. And then this Jesus guy shows up and starts messing everything up. He, he flipped over the apple cart of, of, the, of religion and, and, and started preaching these things. And then Jesus died and supposedly rose again and messed up Saul's whole world. So his anger started to grow. And so what he started to do with his life was he became a, a Christian hunter. Like he literally went around hunting Christians to kill them. Until he was on the road to Damascus, huh. going to the city of Damascus to hunt some more Christians. And Jesus appeared to him. And Jesus said, why are, you, why are you fighting against me? Saul, why are you doing that? And Jesus blinded him. Catch the language here. I don't think it's a mistake that, that, that Paul used this open the eyes of our heart language, because he experienced in that moment blindness. He couldn't see. He couldn't see, and so God helped him get to a, a house locally, and God talked to this guy named Ananias and said, go go to Saul. And pray over him. And Ananias is probably like, whoa, this is the dude that kills people like me. I'm not going. God said, go. And God sent Ananias. Ananias got to where, to where Saul was. And Acts 9 tells us that as he prayed and as, as Saul bowed his life to Jesus, it says something like scales fell off his eyes. And he could see clearly for the first time in his life, both physically and spiritually, and the power of God radically transformed him from the inside out. He was so changed, he couldn't even keep the same name anymore. Like, God changed him so much, like, my birth certificate doesn't even fit me anymore. I'm so different. The power of God in me transformed me from hunting Christians to being a fisher of men to to spreading the gospel I once tried to stop. See, Paul experienced the power of God in him. It transformed him. Now, later on, God's power worked through him, and we'll talk about that, but it started by transforming him right here on the inside. In fact, if you're you're taking notes, it might be be said this way. It might be just as simple. If we're talking about the first thing, the power of God in you, this might be the, the easiest way to say it. The first thing the power of God is designed to do is to transform you. The first thing that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is designed to do is to raise you from the dead. To take the dead things in you and raise them up. See, see, Paul experienced this. And Paul is saying, man, if you could just see, if God would open the eyes of your heart so you could see the power of God in you for your marriage, to break the addictions, to break through anxiety and anger. See, we see this all the time here. Don't we see stories all the time around here where people come to faith in Jesus and God breaks the chains of addictions they've had for years? See, we we see people come to to faith here and depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts and in, in a moment, the power of God transforms that in them. Megan, not to call you out, your story is this. Your story was that, that your life was falling apart and you met Jesus and he transformed you from the inside out and gave you a new calling. That's not in the notes, but this is your story. God gave her a new life. The power of God starts here. So, but here's the problem what you really have to believe is that the power of God can change you. I want to I read this because I don't want to mess it up. You've gotten past the stuff you think he can change but you're stuck at the things you don't think he can change. And you might not ever say it, you might not articulate it and say, God can't change that, but you're acting as if that's true. You're settling for less. Most people have things they don't believe God can actually change. And you've gotten comfortable with the things that you don't think God can change. You've accepted the fact that this is what you're going to live with. A family weakness, a proclivity, a signature sin, an addiction. And you just kind of go, well, that's my life. Maybe the culture of your family of origin is, has a poverty mentality or a lazy mindset or divorce is just what your family does. Listen, the power of God can break the generational stuff. And Paul is begging God for the church of Ephesus, would you open their eyes so they can see and experience the power of God? See, a couple years ago, there's a couple that went through Re-Engage, which is our 26-week Marriage uh, intensive. And they showed up, their marriage, someone loves reengaged. Thank you, Jesus. So they showed up and they weren't showing up celebrating. They were showing up pretty angry. And things weren't right in their marriage. And they did the hard work over weeks and weeks and weeks. And they, they figured out what, what they were contributing to the mess. And they had figured out how to forgive each other and, and put rhythms of date night and communication rhythms in. And they were doing all the right stuff. But the husband, in a moment of honesty, confided in one of the pastors and said, listen, our marriage is gonna survive this. We're gonna get through this and we're gonna do all the right things. But I just don't see hope for us to feel in love again. That's an honest moment, isn't it? Like we're gonna do the right things. I just don't feel the love we had 10, 15 years ago and I just don't see a hope for it. The pastor said this, can't you hope for more? I'm going to finish the story, but I can't until you hear this. Can't you hope for more? Here's here's a more clear way of saying it. Here's what the pastor was saying. What would happen if God opened your eyes? What would happen in your life if God opened your eyes to his great power for you? How would you hope different? See, that story continues because he took that, that little seed of hope from that pastor and said, I'm going to begin to ask God, God... You can solve the practical things in our marriage, but God, would you, would you help us to fall in love again? I believe you for more than just settling for, cohabitating for the next 20 years. Would you, would you, in your power, bring the love back? And he came back several weeks later and said, I can't explain it. It's a miracle we're in love again. That's the power of God. Where are we settling for less than the power of God? You see, What would you hope for if you could see and clearly see the power of God? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe if you could see clearly. Maybe if you could put the glasses of faith on and see clearly the power of God, you would hope different for your marriage. I can't love him or her again. I can't do that. Of course not, but Paul's saying there's a power you might not see yet. I can't break that sin, that addiction, that private thing. I, I can't break, of course you can't, but Paul's saying there might be a power you don't see clearly yet. I can't break, this anger bubbles up and I can't control it, this anxiety crushes me and I can't, I can't deal with it. Of course you can't, but maybe there's a power you don't see clearly yet. God, my kids exhaust me. I don't know how to keep doing this parenting thing over the long haul, I don't have the strength. Of course you don't, but there might be a power you don't see clearly yet. Paul's saying, listen, if you had the eyes to see Man, if God would open your eyes to it, you would live so different. You would hope so much bigger. You would pray so much bolder. He's not hoping you get the power. He's saying if you're a follower of Jesus, you have access to it. You just can't see it yet. Let me just be cheesy. For many of us, our faith, we look at the power of God like we look at UGA in the first half. (laughs) (laughs) Go, well, that's what we got. What was it, seven to five? It's a baseball score. Oh, Lord, it's gonna be one of those years. And just be cheesy, but go, maybe God's just gonna put your glasses on. We got a second half. And the power of God is so much bigger than you can imagine. (laughs) Dear God, help us. But listen, Paul didn't stop there. It's not just the power of God in you, it's the power of God through you. The Christian faith is not just about becoming holy and then locking ourselves in a closet somewhere. God has things for us to do. God wants to work through us as well. And the same power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is we have access to it as believers for God to work through us. If you look at, at Paul's story, what happened to Paul is he experienced the power of God and he bowed to it. And he got on God's agenda And may God begin to work through him. The New Testament is full of stories of what God did through Paul. See, through Paul, the power of God through Paul healed people. The power of God through Paul raised people from the dead. The power of God through Paul did miracles. Paul experienced this power, and he's saying, listen, once you taste it, you can't go back. I pray that your eyes would be open, but the order matters. God rarely works through you until he works in you. See, there's a story that I've wanted to teach for probably 10 years, one of my favorite stories in scripture, and it fits perfectly. Actually, it happened in the city of Ephesus. It's recorded in Acts 19. The story's about the sons of Sceva. Sounds kind of like crazy. It sounds like a Harry Potter book, doesn't it? Harry Potter and the sons of Sceva. Anyway, go with me. So in Acts 19, Sceva was the high priest, one of the high priests in the city of Ephesus. He had seven sons, and and you have to picture these dudes. um, They were sort of like a mixture of like snake oil salesmen, witchcraft, magician people that would like try to go put on shows and look powerful among the people. That's who these cats are. And then they start to hear about the church at Ephesus and this power that they seem to have in the name of Jesus. And so they decide to add Jesus to their little bag of magic tricks. And here's how it plays out. It's recorded in Acts 19, verse 13. I want you to see how it plays out. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus who Paul preaches. Catch this. It's not their Jesus. It's not their Jesus in here. It's the Jesus whom Paul preaches. I command you to come out. The seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them. That's a bad day. I'm just here doing magic tricks, dude. And the evil spirit speaks back, and it gets way worse. Here's what they said. Jesus, check, I know that guy. And Paul, I know about that guy. But who are you? (laughs) That's a bad, I I don't care who you are, that's a bad day. They don't even know who this guy, who these guys are, and here's how it plays out. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. I've been in fights. Y'all, you've been in fights. i would never been beaten so bad I was beaten naked. You want to know who won that fight? The dude who's got clothes on still. Like, you lost. They ran out naked and bleeding. I love that the Bible puts this stuff in there. Now you see why I wanted to teach this story. I want you to catch it, though. For how funny it is, there's a point, and we have to learn from it. What were they doing? They were trying to use Jesus instead of being used by Jesus. That should settle like a ton of bricks. They were trying to use Jesus instead of being used by Jesus. Have you ever used somebody... I don't have to elaborate. You have and you know. It's when you want more from them than for them. It's when you care about your needs before their needs. It's when you want the best for you, not for them. And the sons of Sceva were trying to cheat and shortcut the power of God to work in them and just say, give me some magic hocus pocus out here. And listen, God knows when he is being used If you could only see the places you're trying to use God, where he wants to use you. Oh, if you can see it. See, Jesus fully intends to make your marriage awesome. He intends to help you in school, taking your tests, helping you close a deal. Jesus wants to give you insight into business, but listen, that's not where it starts. When you start with you, you are using God. When you start with him, he can use you. See, they were trying to use Jesus instead of be used by him. That's why scripture says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all the other things will fall in line. Sons of Sceva were saying, if I seek first my agenda, I'll get his power, and God goes, nah. God's not manipulated. God's not fooled, and God will not be used. See, the order matters. What's Paul getting at? Here's, Here's what Paul's really saying to us. God would love to do amazing things through you. Church, if you're a follower of Jesus, listen to me. God would love to do amazing things through you. Jesus is exhilarating when you bow to his agenda and get his power, but Jesus is so disappointing when you try to coerce him onto your agenda and you miss his power. God's inviting us, church to wake up for our eyes to see the power we have access to. If only we'd get the order right and say, God, use me, and you get all his power. I seek first your kingdom, and God, everything else will fall in line. The seven sons of Sceva mixed it up. But Paul's praying is, listen, if you could only see, I want to do amazing things through you. Church, God has a mission before us. There are people dying and going to hell everywhere. And God's saying, I have the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. I want want you to know you have access to that. If you would just get on my agenda, I will work through you in ways you could never imagine. See, I don't think Paul's story should be the exception. I think it should be the rule. See, once God transforms us and gives us his power, our lives should look more like the New Testament than they do. Every time I read scripture and compare my life to it, my life is less. I go, God, I want more. God, open my eyes. I want to see more. I want to hope for more. I want to have more. I want to, I want to live a bigger life for your kingdom's sake. And that's what Paul's praying. Would, God, would you open our eyes? See, if God could open the eyes of the church, I think they'd see two things that are broken. First, the people like the sons of Sceva who are trying to wield the power of God without it transforming you first, and you're missing out. See, places we're trying to use God, places we're trying to take a a proof text of a passage and and try to make a point and lord over somebody else with it, places we're trying to do that. And secondly, people who have God's power, changing them from the inside, and they're not taking it to the outside to help transform the world around us. God's already transformed you, but it'd be like Paul being transformed and then locking himself into a room somewhere and never living the life God called him to. See, when the demons said, I know Jesus, yep. Yep. I know Paul. Listen, God intended that all of our names would be in that, in that same spot. Jesus I know. Jason I've heard of. Jesus I know. Ansley I've heard of. Russ I've heard of. Put your name in that blank. You see, the demons knew Paul because Paul knew Jesus. And God intended our lives to rattle the gates of hell to the point where the demons know us not in our own strength not in our own power but in God's power and if God would only open our eyes for God to give us the power to have that conversation we're scared of to talk about the gospel with that person at work that you're like oh i don't i don't see how it plays out it's not in your strength for you to make the invite to 12 Stone Home or 12 Stone Live, for, for, you to, for you to live a generous life where you go, God, I don't know. I know you're asking me to give this away. I don't know how I recoup from that. How do I recover? It's not in your strength. Jesus, I know. Your name in the blank, I know. That's the size life God calls us to. And if we could only see. See, we're doing this 50 days of prayer. If you could see what we see, you'd see it different. So you can't engage in prayer without feeling the power of God inside of you, encouraging something or correcting something. And then you start putting thousands of us together, praying over this nation, and we unleash the power of God on this nation. This is not a passive move for us. This is is an attack because we can see the power of God working through us. See, we had 12-stone home training just this weekend. We're launching more 12-stone home. That's an attack because we know the power of God working through those 12-stone homes is gonna be massive. We're launching campuses. If you could see what we see, why don't we keep opening more campuses? Because we believe the power of God will work through this church and that God's gonna invite you to get on his agenda when you serve and God's gonna use you and you'll see his power working through you as we open campuses. Fun fact, we're launching Brazelton, I'm the 18th. So we can get excited about that, can't we? We're not done. We're gonna keep opening back up. See if you could see. Paul, Paul didn't try to convince them, Paul didn't give them seven steps for them to see the power of God. God, Paul prayed, he said, God, would you open their eyes? And maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a day, a decade. 50 years, and maybe today God's going, listen, I want your eyes to see clearly the power I have for you. See, if his church could see clearly, we would be unstoppable. If we could see clearly the power of God, we would be unstoppable. Before I pray, let me ask you a question. Where has God given you $50 million of power and you're treating it like five bucks? Where's God giving you access to a fortune? And you're treating it like you could sell it in a yard sale. So, what would you hope for if you had the eyes to see the size of God's power? Your marriage, private life, your future. What would you hope if you could see it clearly? I want to pray over you, and then I want to pray over a second group. So, Ban, as I pray, would you pray with me? Is a big deal for a lot of people today. So God, I pray Paul's words, would you open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see the power you have for us. The power you have to transform us from the inside out. And God, if we're honest, there are places we have settled and we said, yeah, God's power could solve that, but I don't don't see his power that, that could solve that. So I'm settling for less. There are young people that if they don't see your power more clearly, God, they're going to settle for a spouse that's less than you had for them. God, there are people, if if they don't see more clearly, Holy Spirit, if you don't open their eyes, they're going to settle for a life that's less, a marriage that's less, a career that's less than you have for them, because God, your power can resurrect the dead things in us. God, where have we stopped believing for you to resurrect things in our life? God, the disciples, when you were buried, they thought it was over. But then the power of God raised Christ from the dead. God, many of us feel like it's over in this area or that area in our life. God, maybe you would just whisper the same power that resurrected Christ I'm giving to you. And God, for some of us, it's not the power in us, it's the power through us. God, there are places you want to call us. There are conversations you want us to have. There are places you want us to go. There are prompts you want to whisper to us in the middle of a day. But God, we, we, until we see the power you have to work through us, we'll never step into it. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see the power that you want to work through us. God, would you give us a boldness. If we knew the authority we had, we'd live different. God, many of us are praying for thimble-sized power, and you go, I've got oceans. Would you give us the eyes to pray different, to live different, to lead different, to love different, Father? God, there's nobody like you. Thank you for your power. Thank you for Jesus. Would you open our eyes? In Jesus' name, amen.